Welcome to the Consortium Podcast, an academic audio blog of Kepler Education. Kepler is a consortium of independent classical Christian teachers unified by a shared vision for student flourishing. Welcome. I'm Scott Postman, your host, and I'm joined by Joffrey Swate, our student advisor. And welcome, Joffrey. Thank you. Yeah, today our, our theme, although we're going to be talking about a conference that we've been to recently, etc., uh, the overarching theme is going to be an economic slogan, but applied to classical education, a rising tide lifts all boats. That's a great title, but we were talking before the show and not just all boats, right? Or, or I mean, not just specific boats, not just big yachts, but all boats. Yeah, all boats, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> if it floats, it'll rise. It'll rise. Well, we were recently at a conference that we're calling SCOSI. Is that how mm-hmm. we're going to pronounce it? Yes. Uh, Southern Consortium of Classical Educators. And, and just as an aside before Scott goes on with the, with the meat of this segment, um, the reason he asked if we were going with, with SCOSI is that some of the less reverent of us, and that I guess included me, thought that SCOSH might be a good, <laughs> a good way of reading the acronym for Southern Consortium of Classical Educators. SCOSI is better. But we found out that SCOSH is like a measurement of yeah. something, right? Just oh, a little SCOSH of exactly. this. Yeah, so, but, so yeah, SCOSI. But <laughs> well, SCOSI was a um, grassroots effort, really. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's part of what we're going to talk about in our podcast today. We're going to talk about the conference proper, a little bit about what went on there, what led to the conference, and then really what we want to spend the rest of the time talking about is the philosophy that, you know, really gave rise to the grassroots conference coming together. What is the philosophy that we at Kepler hold and and why should this matter in terms of the bigger picture of classical Christian education? So, well, Joffrey, you, you worked, um, Primarily from this end, you did the, a lot of the groundwork, the footwork mm. in in bringing this together with a couple of the others. So maybe tell our listeners a little bit about how this came together and and what the SCOSI conference was all about. Yeah, well, you know, so you 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 saw me doing the the bulk of the work here from the Kepler end, uh, uh, but really uh, it was uh, the folks back in Louisiana where we had the conference who yeah. who, who did did most of of, of everything. Um, and really the, the philosophy behind, uh, behind it was we just found ourselves, I found myself in my capacity as uh, the family advisor for Kepler uh, and, you know, talking to families about what we're doing. And then we, like, we have this podcast and people respond to us and they tell us what an impact it's having. And, you know, sort of the philosophy, the, the mm-hmm. reasons for doing classical education and, and particularly uh, the, the accessibility. The classical education. I think a, a lot of people see barriers that aren't necessarily that aren't there, right? right? Yeah. Uh, and so then t- talking to certain families and families that you know it just felicitously. I just I love this. Kepler is a consortium of independent teachers, right? We're we're we're, we're a loose affiliation affiliation of millionaires and billionaires, as Paul Simon would have said. <laughs> we're a loose affiliation. <laughs> and then so then we have we have all these families that take taking Kepler classes that are doing this thing uh, through Circe or this thing with Scully groups or this thing with their co-op and, and so on and so forth. And each, you know, these families are taking responsibility for their, for their own children's education, but also deciding that they as families are going to bless the people around them. Uh, right. I love that. Yeah. And so then there, there are a couple of families like that in, in Louisiana um, uh, led by uh, Rebecca Richard uh, and Lisa Mayu, who just, uh, when, when I mentioned the idea, hey, what if we all like got together and talked about this and invited people to it? 
they made it happen and it was awesome. And it really was just broadly representative um, of all sorts of classical traditions within homeschooling. Mm -hmm. It was representative of the region. Um, you know, it was in Cajun country. Uh, and so lots of Roman Catholics were there. And it was just a, just a beautiful moment of, of people coming together from all sorts of walks of life to talk about classical education and homeschooling. But it wasn't a homeschooling conference. Right. And it wasn't a school conference or just a classical education conference. It was all of that together. It was educators, whether it was someone who had been drawing a, a check from a school for 30 years or someone who had been a mom for 15. And we met a lot of fabulous educators from different walks of life. Yes. Yeah, so it was it was great. But I, I, before you go too far, I wanted to, you know, throw in there that you can't forget the cracklings and Buddha. In, so. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, I was... Uh, I, <laughs> oh, and the shrimp jambalaya. So, yeah. I was at a church lunch Sunday after the conference yeah. was over. The conference ended on a Saturday. And, um, and I was, you know, I was sitting with some people I had just, you know, just kind of met for the first time and uh, saying, you know, I really want to try some, some boudin balls. And the guy next to me was like, what? Boudin? You mean boudin? But <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure I'm not doing it right, but there was a very specific way of saying it that he, he was not willing to understand me until I said boudin. So you had to use the Cajun, the yes, proper Cajun. Yes, absolutely. And I loved that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's so boudin. great. You know, it's, it's, it's just a tiny little illustration. It was at a church after the conference, but we saw this happen a lot in the conference. This is a McDonald's, mm -hmm. right? And, and no one is, you know, it, Cersei is certainly not. Scully groups and classical academic press are not. Kepler is not. Um, you know, most classical educators are not proposing a one size fits all that will work in California as well as it works in Michigan. Right. And that was what was so fabulous about this conference in Lafayette. Yes. Know? So, well, let's maybe let's just chat about some of the just very briefly. I don't want to spend a long time here, but maybe just talk about some of the talks, why these talks were representative of the you know, uh, objective of this conference, how it came together. And, and I'll just mention quickly. So you've, you've talked about the different groups involved. Um, of course we were there as Kepler and then classical academic press and school groups, uh, Lisa Mayhew and then, um, and, and Rebecca Richard. And then we had Renee Mathis who was with, uh, mentors and Jesse Smith, who is both uh, a Cersei mentor, uh, or in the mentorship program, as well as a Kepler teacher. And, and so this is sort of representative of the kinds of people who are involved in classical education. They have a local co-op there. Some of them are involved in, uh, you know, the Cersei mentorship. We have uh, both teachers and students in Kepler. So doing lots of different things all for the bigger goal of getting classical academic or, you know, classical education out to the public. Yeah. Well, and this will, this will be an aside, but I think a really worthwhile tangent. Scott, why is this a bigger goal? Like, why is this something people should dedicate their time to? Well, I, I, this goes back to the title of the show, right? The, the idea that a, a rising tide lifts all boats. And so if we're going to see culture, you know, redeemed, if we're going to see Christ over culture, we could talk about the, the various views of Christ and culture. Uh, we believe Christ is over culture. Then there has to be a collaborative effort um, that sees the big picture of a really redeeming culture, you know, by by bringing Christ through classical uh, education, uh, because the gospel is the center of classical education, mm -hmm. and it moves out into culture. What does it mean to be wise and virtuous in culture, and, and really developing that 
under the umbrella of Christ's kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. It's kingdom building. It you know, and, and we're talking about the, the children of the saints. Right. Right. Um, which means that, you know, there are many, many ways to build the kingdom. Uh, this is you know, education is a priority place uh, in which to do that. Yes. You, know, you, you, you can, you can build the kingdom uh, by having a beautiful garden. That is absolutely true. And you should have a beautiful garden. Um, but then there, there are some areas where, you know, the enemy is pressing, we are pressing, the combat is hot yeah. and where our children are growing out into the world that they're there. That's where the fighting is hot. And so this is something that was worth pouring your energy into along with, uh, your, your brothers and sisters in arms. Well, and that was what was so beautiful about the, you know, sort of the grassroots development of this particular, um, conference is that each of these organizations that are representative are made up of people who share that vision, right? Who, who want to see Christ's kingdom advanced in, in that sense. We want to see uh, our young people grow up um, and, and know uh, that Christ is over culture, live that out. And, and so when this, this collaborative effort sort of transcends some of our own kingdom building efforts, right? And, and of course, you know, we've talked about some of my past and where I came from in, in terms of my theological journey, but I've seen a lot of the sort of, this is my empire, this is my corner of the world. Right. And, and while we all ought to be involved, like you said, in building our own garden, that's important. Uh, we have to see the bigger picture in, you know, in working together that it's good for all of our gardens if, if there's good soil and good, yes. good you know, environment. And of course, I mean, we're talking about this idea that, uh, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. And, and I think that it, it's integral uh, to 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 talk about trust. Yes. You know, uh, I know that when you and I are talking about the Kepler families and, uh, you know, families choosing to enroll with Kepler and we talk a lot about building trust, right? That's the foundation of, 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 of our relationships. It's not necessarily, you know, here's our catalog and these are the awesome classes. I mean, that's a part of it too, but, mm-hmm. the, but the cornerstone is this, this family has decided that they will trust us with, with their, their child to a, to a degree, right? Sure. And, uh, and so I love that the idea that that's just kingdom building generally and, and outside of say the idea of customer service, the idea that we would trust each other, right. Mm -hmm. As educational institutions, as individuals passionate about education and whatever the situation is that we trust each other and we're willing to put our fate to some degree in each other's hands, right? We're not hoarding everything for ourselves and saying, okay, we, We've got this right way of doing things. We have to do it this way. And if I hand some of that over to somebody else, they're going to mess it up. They're going to bring me down. Right. <laughs> I mean, sure. I, I suppose it's a risk and all sorts of things and church planting. Sure. Right. But ultimately we, we have to have the faith that you know, God called us as a people. And if I'm planting a church, um, then ultimately I'm going to have to trust certain things to people who aren't me. Right. Right. And, and in fact, that will be better. It, it is better. It, it's always better. Even when you, if, if you weighing out the risk of the possibility of something, maybe not reaching the standard expectation that you have, if you did it yourself, it's always better to say, uh, you know, just in theory to hit 80%, you know, of the expectation, uh, and knowing that you're doing multiple things or, or empowering multiple people who are hitting 80% than us being closed handed, trying to do all of it. Right. right? Oh, and the, and the, the long-term success of the thing 
is is in such better hands. Right? Right, I mean, we, right. we 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 have the example from the beginning with Moses being being told to divide <laughs> up responsibility. Right? It's just we 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 don't want to be the ones you know caught to you know isolated and hoarding everything up. And when I say we, I'm not actually not talking about Kepler right now. I'm just talking about us as yep. as saints and as family men, as as fathers and members of churches. We're building things all the time, and um, you know how sad if if we died that built thing went away. Right. Right. It had, you know, not given to any sons, not given to any friends. Oh goodness. I, if we move back to talking about church planting, and I think there's a lot of uh, analogous application here. Mm. Um, I've watched churches grow huge, giant ministries only for the leader to either fall or die or something happen. And then the whole ministry falls apart because it's built on this one person's personality, right. not on the kingdom principles that it should be built on. Yeah, it didn't belong to anyone else, right? right? There were people participating, sure. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to yeah. take that away. Of course, people were participating, but it wasn't theirs. Right, yeah. And so, you know, kind of bringing that back to classical education, you all have heard us talking over and over again on this podcast about the sovereignty of the family, the responsibility of the family. Mm-hmm. The family it, are, are the ones who make the decisions about education. Everything else around that is in service to the family. And, and so, you know, that there has to be interconnected, interconnectedness. Otherwise, you just have a bunch of little family islands. Right. And we don't want that. No, no, no. Uh, and, and, and we would not want to be the sort of institution, because that is what Kepler is, uh, encouraging that either. Right? No. You know, a rising tide lifts all boats. Well, I, I think if we, you know, get out of the nebulous, you know, some, some of the nebulous principles we're talking about, and we really just brought this down. Yeah. Um, and I hope this illustration doesn't muddy the waters. So I'm going to try to, you know, kind of make this connection here. But, you know, we were talking before about the way that uh, early on the original public schools worked in the colonial America is nothing compared to it's night and day to what our modern government led Mm -hmm. public schools are. So you can't even make a correlation between the two. But what would happen is in a small community, uh, say a small town, where most people took responsibility for the education, there were always poor amongst people. There were always kids who were orphans or had various you know, things that, that had happened in their life. And it was in the best interest of the entire community that your neighbor had an education or your neighbor's children have an education, whether yeah. they could afford to do it or maybe they were illiterate themselves. And so the, the, the families would come together levy a small tax so that they could pay a teacher. Usually it was a, you know, a young lady who, you know, didn't have a suitor. And, you know, so she was reaching that age where it didn't look like she'd be married anytime soon. So they would hire her and she would educate, you know, the young people in that town. And what operated as the school board were the families, Mm -hmm. right? The, The families took responsibility for what was being taught, the culture of the community. Obviously it was faith based. There was no you know, government right. exclusion of, of, of faith and those kinds of things. And, and really there was this attitude amongst people that said, it's better for all of us that young people get an education. And I see that in the homeschool groups. I see that in, in co-ops. I see mm-hmm. that in things like the school aid groups where people are coming together to try and work together with families to help, you know, give a, a classical education to everyone who desires to have that. Yes. Right? And that's where really where, where we as Kepler, um, that's kind of where we fit in, I think, into the, the bigger picture of classical Christian education as mm-hmm. a marketplace is striving to try to, to um, 
help develop these relationships. And we're not the only one. I mean, I'm, we're not exclusive in that at all. And that's why it was great to partner with others who have yes. and, sh- and shared that same vision, because it really is better for the culture if we're all working, you know, beyond our own particular interests. Right. And, you know, and we're not talking about a zero sum game. What no. this means is that it's going to continue to grow. Like yeah. how, how many new people do you know? And, you know, <laughs> having been a part of the homeschooling scene since the mid nineties, yeah. uh, I can tell you, and you could look at the statistics, but I, you know, it's never stopped growing. Mm-hmm. There are always more and more homeschoolers, always. Right. And, you know, and the way that, you know, non-homeschoolers have seen what, uh, have interacted with the idea of homeschooling has changed in my lifetime, right? What is homeschooling? Uh, hasn't been asked in 20 years. <laughs> right. And, and now, you know, there are millions of homeschoolers and, and that's just homeschooling, right? But right. classical education is, is doing the same thing and classical education exploding internationally in Russia, in Brazil, in China. Right. Right. Chinese uh, families, students, schools asking for Western education. I, I, I heard a story recently about an African, an African uh, school. Uh, that you know they were interacting with an or, with a classical organization, and the classical organization was be, trying to be very careful about you know they have have old good things, and we should respect those old good things while bringing the best of what we have. And the reception was no, 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 tell us all your old good things. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I mean, that's that's not uh, I, I'm you know we, we've had this conversation before, and I know we're we're potentially uh, distracting here, but. You know, a class, classical education for a Chinese student is going to look different than classical education would for a Frenchman or an American. Um, but that, you know, that's sort of being put aside. That's, the, that's, that's what's happening with classical education. now. It is exploding. It is multifarious because of that. Mm-hmm. And that's good, right? We, you know, and classical educators and classical families should be embracing that. It's going to look a little different over there. Uh, and it's going to look a little different with this family that lives next to me. And that's fine. Right. Because the, the beautiful thing is that this is continuing to grow and bless people. Well, that's what, what you just said is what's so important in a collaborative effort is to recognize that I don't own the corner market on what a classical education looks like mm-hmm. for this family or that family or, or for my family. You know, we, we may, it may look one way for our family, but it could look some, some somewhat different for a different community or a different family. And yeah. and so with a large umbrella, we can embrace even, even variations and differences of, of philosophy within classical education yeah. and still maintain, you know, what that, you know, agenda might look like on a personal and level. We should also recognize that, you know, this, this even very similar philosophies can lead to different applications mm-hmm. depending on what the students were talking yeah. about. Right? Well, even within a family, we see yeah, that, right? Where yeah. siblings, we, we make different decisions for the siblings because of how these siblings are made. That's a great illustration because each child in the home is different. Yes. Each family in the community is different. Each community is different. And, and so recognizing that those differences, and if I could use the term ecumenical, not just in a spiritual sense, um, but also even an educational sense, yeah. you know. Uh, so we we own certain traditions or certain things that we think are are valid and important, while also encouraging others, you know, to, you know, explore the differences and prioritizing collaboration. Yep. Really, yep. that's what that is. You know, keeping keeping everything keeping everything open. So let's talk then on a practical level. So we've hopefully affirmed the fact that you know we we had this great conference. We um, collaborated. We got to experience, and and it was great. I mean, there was tons of folks that came. Uh, I spoke to an educator there who had been a professor for 25 years in in a, a public university, 
who said, I just recently discovered classical education, and this is answering every single thing that we've been dealing with and struggling wow. with. And, and so I come here to learn about classical education. Huh. <laughs> That's what he came for. Um, and, and tons of stories like that. So what are some practical ways? Okay, we had our experience, but what are some practical ways that our listeners, maybe we could talk about, um, how could you collaborate in your community? Um, maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your church. You know, there, there's a variety, of, a variety of ways to do that, whether it's an embodied experience or online. What are some ways that we can collaborate for the greater good of classical Christian education? Yeah. I, I'm afraid I'm going to start a little high flown All right, uh, with that, <laughs> uh, and, and not in my in my verbiage. Just uh, thirty thousand feet or ten thousand feet. 10, <laughs> okay, yeah. You 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 barely have to put on your oxygen mask for this. Um, but you know, this this podcast has been philosophical. Yeah, and, and not for nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's because you know we we are eager uh, to have families. Be thinking about the why of the thing. That's mm -hmm. so much more important than the than the how. Yeah. Right. And the how, of course, comes from the why. Um, but you know, it, it's it's quite easy in homeschooling circles and even in, in classical circles to get caught up in checklist or curricula or you know this you know if I do this method, right? Uh, so I would say the first thing that that uh, listeners should do is is read up on those whys. Mm -hmm. Really, just get conversant with the philosophy of classical education with the pedagogy of classical education and, you know, and do what you can as well to, to become familiar with a lot of the material. So, right? so can I interrupt you real yeah. quick? Let's throw out a few books that they might be able to, um, to look at. I mean, and, and some of these you already may be aware of, yeah. but, um, you know, you could start with, um, there is uh, Wisdom and Eloquence, I think, by Little John. Mm -hmm. uh, there is Recovering Lost Tools of Learning um, from Wilson. Right. Uh, there is, I've got a book right here uh, that I just has, have been reading, Love It, Beauty in the Word uh, by Stratford uh, Caldecott. Uh, there is uh, the, the Classical Tradition uh, by, um, I think it's Robbie and uh, Jane, I think, uh, James. I'm, I'm sorry if I butchered that. Uh, and you're listening to this podcast, but <laughs> uh, the the tradition. Um, one, uh, Devin O'Donnell wrote uh, both of these last two are from Classical Academic Press. Was yeah. uh, you know uh, Martha, uh, I think it's like Martha in a Merry World or something like that. Uh, but but talking about Scolay, uh, but there's a handful of books right there, just some resources to kind right. of dive in. Uh, Marion Montgomery, um, I, I loved his work on the liberal arts and the reality of things. Mm -hmm. You know that's a good that's a good work. And, you know, and following people on social media, you know, yeah. I mean, there, are, uh, you know, Kepler has, has a blog that our teachers feed into. You can follow Kepler teachers. Yep. Cersei has a great blog. Uh, you can follow Cersei teachers and, you know, people associated with all of that. Um, and you start just, and once you do that, of course, then it's a, it's a rabbit hole, right? right. You're going to yeah. end up connected to all sorts of people. And, <laughs> but you know, it's just reading, being thoughtful, right? Yes. So then you can then make decisions like, well, you know, should I join a co-op or should I just start mm -hmm. a co-op? Right. Um, you know, I, th I think we're still in a place where um, there's a lot of foundational work to be done. Yes. Right. Um, and that's one of the reasons that, you know, the Kepler appeals is that you know, because we're online, we can deliver not only education, but an educational community to wherever you are. Right. But also like wherever you are, can you yourself make an educational community? Well, and I think that's a great place to start. It's an important place to start because someone like Kepler, 
where we could actually supply um, an entire, say, diploma track if a student wanted that and they could come entirely online. And I think that's a really good option for a lot of families. Mm -hmm. For some families, that may not be the very best option, but they could take a course, you know, they're within their co-op. And right. I know, I know we've done that. I've taught at a co-op locally. And then I've also had students come and, and take an online class, um, you know, from me, you know, who are also involved in that local co-op. And and so there, there could be a variety of, of approaches yes. and, and it really depends on what, what is going to work for your family. But the key is embracing, you know, the responsibility, if, if we want to call it that, or the opportunity really to develop a classical Christian education community. Right. And I think, you know, one of, uh, one of, one of the barriers that, that, that rears its head here Can a barrier rear its head. One of the dragons <laughs> that rears its head here. Let's get our metaphors. <laughs> <Yeah>. straight. <laughs> um, is, is the educating family mm -hmm. is busy. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so having been through that myself, let me encourage you. you know, sometimes to, to retreat in a certain arena of your life, to consolidate, to focus on some, just you and the kids, just we're going to be, be at home, we're going to be focusing on this. Sometimes that's the right decision and the, the best, most efficient decision. But seldom, sir, the initial investment that it takes to build community, to build conversations, pays off in all of the help and backup mm -hmm. and texture that the education you're giving delivers even down to the, the you know the, the one of the things i hear a lot um from you know from homeschoolers who in high school they they start taking classes in this format or another very often kepler oh we have a teacher now and uh it one of the things that i hear a lot is that oh you know my that my kid is realizing that we're not the only crazy ones Right. right. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this other teacher is, is saying the same stuff we've been telling that kid. Right. And so uh, our kid is, and, and they're, they're real. Like, oh, wait, it's, it is, it is bigger than I thought it was. And, you know, just that act is a big part of, of education. And so the, the investment you make, if, if you are in a place where you should build some educational community, some intellectual, uh, some educational conversation, um, then there will immediately be the payoff of your kids seeing like-minded saints doing what you do. Absolutely. And, 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 and to only reinforce what you're saying, but maybe even take a step back. If you didn't feel like you could maybe, you know, maybe there wasn't enough um, interest or, or enough, um, I don't know, you know, uh, mojo to get a whole community mm -hmm. together. Even I, I'm going to call it a society. I mean, getting together with a few friends and reading a book together on classical education or reading a classic together and having discussions that could lead then to yes. an, an awakening, you know, to families around, because I've heard a lot of people say, well, how do I get something started in my area? We'll start reading a book together, yeah. you know, pick up C.S. Lewis, pick up a, you know, a, a classical education book, pick up a, you know, uh, a church father and just begin reading, having discussions and see where this leads. Let me make an offer. Yeah. Kepler families here. Um, so, I know that a lot of our Kepler families, and I, first of all, I know that some of our listeners are not really Kepler families, right? Uh, but, you know, so a lot, a lot of the families who have kids uh, enrolled in, in classes with Kepler, I mean, there are so many different places they're in, right? Uh, their house on a hill in the middle of nowhere, uh, in the middle of the megalopolis in the northeast of the United States, <laughs> like wherever it is, like it really is just such varied backgrounds, right? 
and there's such in, in such varied places. If you want to start a local community and you're not sure how to do it, talk to me. Yeah. Not only will, will I advise you to whatever degree I can, and there's something I've thought about and I'm, I'm passionate about, it may be that I can help you make it happen for you. And I would, I would love to have that conversation. I think that's a, that's a phenomenal opportunity that you should take advantage of. Mm. <laughs> take advantage of Joffrey's time. You know what? I'm being generous. Yes. And that's it's, what this is about. This is about generosity. We all need to be generous to each other. This thing will grow. It will. And, and we started to go there and we kind of got sidetracked. But that's one of the key elements of, of the collaboration is generosity. We're never, going, we're never going to see a movement that we believe is so important, see it accelerate and see it move out into the world further. If we're closed handed, right. you know, and if we're doing something the very opposite of what we're teaching, you know, what the education is supposed to be teaching. Right. Absolutely. And so we need to be generous. Um, so since you threw out that, I'm mm. going to throw out another offer. Oh, okay. All right. Let's throw out another offer. This is a, this is a great one. So By the way, hold on before you do this is a, this is spontaneous. This is not like totally. we, we didn't, we didn't say <laughs> at the end of the podcast, we're going to offer these things. And I want the record to show that I did it first, Scott. You did it first. Well, <laughs> and you inspired me because actually I thought you might be going, I thought you might be going this direction. But then when you said what you did, I thought that's a great, uh, that's a great way to, you know, just connect with somebody who's been doing it. Yeah, well, right? I want to hear what you've got to say now. Dr. Woods, yeah. I, I'm kind of going back off what I was saying a, a moment ago. Dr. Robert Woods is offering in mm -hmm. July a course on Cicero. Um, it's called On Old Age and Friendship, right? It's a short reading. It's two evenings a week. I think it's $25. The name alone should tell you that this is for grownups. This, this is for adults. <laughs> this is for you, parents, on old age and friendship. <laughs> And some of you are not quite there. This is just preparation. <laughs> but if you're interested and you want to experience what a community looks like, yeah. um, if you'll just mention this podcast, um, just mention that you listen to the podcast, you heard it, you contact Joffrey. I want to pay our, our Kepler will pay for their enrollment in that course. Oh, wow. So Come and experience what it looks like. So we're talking about this is how you could do it, yes. but now actually experience it. See what it's like to be, this is an online experience, yeah. but what would it be like to spend two evenings reading a text together, talking about it with other adults? Because what we hear from the families who participate is always, like, you know, I can't believe the conversations we had. It was fantastic, fulfilling. Uh, so y'all, life changing. Joffrey at Kepler Education. Okay. There you go, Joffrey. I had no idea. I love that, it. Scott. Yeah, That's well, good. We had no idea this was going to turn into this, but I, I, I think this will be fun. We want to see this movement grow. We want to see families experience it. And that's one of the best ways that those epiphany moments where you catch it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and probably, I don't know, I'm going to, I'm going to say at least half of the students I've ever taught a parent sometime has come to me and said, I was listening in the other room and I heard the conversations and oh, yeah. how do I get involved? Oh, this was life changing. I didn't know these things. And, and there's just an opportunity to actually, it's better caught than taught. I guess yes. that's what I'm yeah. trying to say. Yeah. So, so come experience it. Joffrey at Kepler.education. So, um, and then, so embrace this idea, right. Um, of being generous, mm -hmm. uh, of, of finding a way to build, build a community, whether that's, um, online, whether that's in embodied, maybe that's a, a reading group, uh, talk to Joffrey, talk yeah. about some ideas. And remember that this is, this is, this is kingdom building. Again, yeah. it's not the only way to build a kingdom. It is multifarious, but 
this is kingdom building. This is, you know, so of course your first responsibility is, is to your children. Um, that's why you bring them to worship, right? That's why you, right. you, you raise them a certain way. And, you know, and we've talked about how education is raising your kids, the same thing. Um, but you know, th- this is the point of contact with the enemy. This is a, a big deal. This is something that, you know, it, maybe your last kid is two years away from graduating. It doesn't matter. This is something late. worth, and it's not too late, but it's also something worth pouring your life into. How many people at that conference um, were grandparents? Right. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. Tons, tons of folks. I, I wish I would have had this education. I wish I could have given this education to my kids. Right. Uh, we have grandkids. We want to know um, families who, uh, there, there was one couple or both public school teachers and said, you know, we're seeing what's going on here. We plan on homeschooling our kids. <laughs> we want to learn about classical <laughs> yeah. education. So that when our kids come, you know, just a newlywed couple, we, we awesome. want to build it. So it's, it's great. Praise God. So, yeah. Well, let's go be generous and let's see uh, folks, you know, know the gospel, know what it means to have a Christian worldview, uh, to know how Christ is over culture um, by being generous in classical education. So long, everybody. God bless you.